Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire. Um, I'm on with uh, Mom as a guest. And um, we're uh, back to The Hobbit and it's chapter 5, Riddles in the Dark. I don't normally or usually anyway put a spoiler warning for a whole chapter, but this one is... um, an experience to read for the first time, and I don't want to take that away from anybody, so if you have not read The Hobbit before, um, I recommend you read this chapter for yourself or audiobook it um, so you experience this without knowing what's going to happen. Um, So um, with that in mind, we're going to start. Now, Bilbo has just woken up from unconsciousness after hitting his head after he fell off Dory's back while being pursued by goblins in the caves. And he's just, he's woken up, his head's swimming, and uh, he doesn't know where he is, or, well, he knows he's in the cave, but he doesn't know what direction is what, or where the goblins are, where his friends the dwarves are. And... It's totally dark. Uh, If you've ever been in an actual cave, um, I've been in a few. Uh, The first cave I was in was Longhorn Cavern in Texas, and, um... Yeah, I'd actually been to that cave before I read this book for the first time, and... Yeah, when they turn the lights out, it is pitch dark. You can't see your hand in front of your face. You... Um, it definitely gives you the feeling that you wish you had a flashlight with you, just in case. And so that's that's how it's uh, for Bilbo right now, except for you know he's alone, except for he doesn't know where the goblins might be, and he's. He starts out, like, crawling around on all fours. And he's thinking of his bacon and eggs breakfast back at his home, because he keeps doing that. And um, he eventually finds his pipe and his tobacco pouch not broken, but he doesn't find any matches. And he's really disappointed to not find his matches, but um, it's probably a good thing, he eventually thinks, because... um, The smell of tobacco smoking might have brought out who knows what after him if he smoked down there. And he also finds that he still has a small sword that came from the troll cave. And he'd forgotten about that. He he wore it inside his breeches, which is why the goblins didn't find it. Now that sounds uncomfortable, but um, good thing he still has it anyway. Um, and he, uh, pulls out the sword, and he sees it's shining a little bit, and he realizes it's an elvish blade, too, and that it's shining a little bit means the goblins aren't, um, they're not very far, it'd be brighter, but they're also not far away enough because it's shining. And he feels... You know, comforted that he has a sword from the 
um, the Goblin Wars and Gondolin. And um, he decides that all he can do is just keep going forward. He can't go back. There's nowhere to the sides to go. And um, he he keeps going and um, it's mentioned that it doesn't bother him as much as it would bother like a human person because he's used to living underground but it still bothers him I don't really think of a hobbit hole as underground in the same way as this well because <laughs> hobbit holes will at least Bilbo's hobbit hole it's got windows it's, along... It's got windows. It's not know. that deep. It's in a hillside. It's full of nice, you know, furnishings. This is a cave. Yeah, I, I don't see the think of the Hobbit Hole as, like, below ground level. Because it's into something that's above ground level sort of thing when you think of a hillside. Um. And uh, he keeps going and... Uh, he eventually steps into um, cold water and he stops because he doesn't know how deep this water is and how far it goes. It might be a little stream or it might be a lake. And he can hear the dripping of water droplets falling into it in which he concludes it's a pool or a lake, not a river. Yeah, uh, here's our the puppies interfering with our notes. Come on, Nim. And uh, he he can't swim. It actually seems a lot of hobbits can't swim. He can't swim. And he's thinking of fish that might be in the water. Fish with big eyes that had um, come in from outside of the caves and had their eyes get bigger and bigger from trying to see um, over the generations. Uh, it's actually in real life it's more like the opposite. F fish that live in caves um, tend to have be blind and have like very reduced practically vestigial eye stuff that's like Or no eyes at all. Like blind cave fish. Blind cave fish, the um blind cave tetra, the some of those catfish that live in deep like underground wells. They don't have giant eyes, but this is Middle Earth, so maybe it's gone a bit different. Um and then um there are other things more slimy than fish. Even in the tunnels and caves the goblins have made for themselves, there are other things living unbeknown to them that have sneaked in from outside to lie up in the dark. Some of these caves, too, go back in their beginnings to ages before the goblins, who only widened them and joined them up with passages, and the original owners are still there in odd corners, slinking and nosing about. Uh, deep down... Here by the dark water lived old Gollum, a small slimy creature. I don't know where he came from, nor who or what he was. He was Gollum, as dark as darkness, except for two big round pale eyes in his thin face. He had a little boat, and he rode about quite quietly on the lake, for lake it was, wide and deep and deadly cold. 
He paddled it with large feet dangling over the side, but never a ripple did he make. Not he. He was looking out of his pale, lamp-like eyes for blind fish, which he grabbed with his long fingers as quick as thinking. He liked meat, too. Goblin, he thought, good, when he could get it. But he took care they never found him out. He just throttled them from behind if they ever came down alone anywhere near the edge of the water while he was prowling about. They very seldom did, for they had a feeling that something unpleasant was lurking down there, down at the very roots of the mountain. They had come on the lake when they were tunneling down long ago, and they found they could go no further. So there their road ended in that direction. And there was no reason to go that way, unless the great goblins sent them. Sometimes he took a fancy for fish from the lake, and sometimes neither goblin nor fish came back. So, uh... This creature named um, Gollum lives in the lake, and he's actually not one of those creatures that had lived there before the goblins. He's um, he came in later. Oh, that's that's not mentioned yet. But Gollum has a, a bit of a history, too, which uh, we'll go, we'll go, go into, into later. later. And, and when people read this for the first time, I, they imagine it in different ways, uh, what Gollum looks like. What, what did Gollum look like to you when you thought, when you first read it? How'd you imagine him? Uh, I didn't imagine him quite humanish, though, uh, I don't want to give away too much in his description, but, uh, I don't know, just as some kind of weird creature that had some human qualities. Because uh, he he can talk, uh, but yeah, I I don't know. Gollum was wasn't is still weird. When I first heard about Gollum before I'd actually read the book, I imagined him as almost like a lizard-like shape, um, and then after reading it, um, I imagined almost like this. slimy, hunched-over creature, almost... uh, I don't... This was far enough back that I don't remember how much came from actually reading the book and how much came from watching the animated film of The Hobbit. But, like, a hunched-over, strange, almost, like, frog-like creature. Um, It's a good description. I was thinking frog, too. And, you know, big, pale uh, eyes, which I mentioned next. He has pale eyes like telescopes. And I imagine these eyes, like, shining a bit in in the dark. Um, I've seen an adaptation of Gollum where he was drawn 
gigantic. I never took that impression. I thought he was about Bilbo's size. Um, I've seen an almost spidery-looking drawing of Gollum. Um, Gollum just lends himself to more imagination than um, people do him in different ways. And and growing up when I did, you know, my mom read The Hobbit to me when I was quite young. I don't remember exactly how old, but quite young. And I have read it many times in my childhood and since. And, uh, you know, this is pre-animated series, pre-movies. So it was truly your imagination for, you know, how things were, with the exception of uh, the artwork that Tolkien has put into his uh, books. Uh, that, I, I must note, he he did the artwork himself, um, so... Uh, and it's very good, and he has his own distinct style. Um, it's, like, minimalistic, but really pretty at the same time. Uh, I actually am thinking about getting a smog tattoo someday. Well, um, there's no drawing of Gollum in the book, and I'm not aware that Tolkien ever drew Gollum. I might be wrong, but I don't think he has. I've never seen a drawing of Gollum by Tolkien. And, um... Yet... Now, do you want to go in... I don't know if you want to talk more about Gollum's back history. I'll go a bit more later in the chapter when okay. it comes up. Alright. Um, so yeah, he, he eats these raw fish that he catches, and sometimes he eats goblins, which is disgusting. But, but not to him. It's not disgusting he to him. Them. And um, the great goblin, apparently he's got a taste for fish too, and he sends... His goblins sometimes to go risk their lives getting a fish for him, and sometimes they don't come back. And, um, yeah, he, Gollum splutters and hisses, and he makes a horrible swallowing noise in his throat, which is why he is called Gollum. And, um, he calls himself. My precious. And oh my goodness, I think I did miss this part. Um, Bilbo had found a. Um, while he was groping about, he'd found a small uh, ring that he just found and slipped it into his pocket. It makes a good souvenir. He didn't think anything much of it. He was on the floor of the tunnel. And, yeah. And, you well, know, Gollum, he, uh, he calls himself my precious. And he draws out his S's. So it's like, my precious. And, um he he comes out of the the lake on his on his little boat to 
go check out what's going on. Hey, who's Bilbo? Why is he here? Can he eat him? Um. So he, I think he had eaten a goblin just like. Yeah, he'd eaten a small goblin, so he wasn't really super hungry yet, but. And. So. Bilbo notices the pale eyes and he pulls out his dagger. He says, Who are you? And Gollum says, What is he, my precious? Talking to himself. And Bilbo introduces himself with his full name. I'm Mr. Bilbo Baggins. I've lost the dwarves. I've lost the wizard. And I don't know where I am. And I don't want to know. I only can get away. And Gollum is like, What has he got in his hands? As and then Bilbo says it's a sword from Gondolin, and Gollum gets more uh, polite by, you know, Gollum standards. And perhaps you sits here and chats with it a bit, see, my precious. It likes riddles, perhaps it does, does it? Because that's how he talks. And you know, Gollum's kind of stalling for time a little. He wants to know about Oh, what is the Hobbit really? And is he really alone? Is he good to eat? Is he actually hungry? And riddles is all that he can think of, because asking them and sometimes guessing them had been the only game he had ever played with other funny creatures sitting in their holes in the long, long ago before he lost all his friends and was driven away alone and crept down, down into the dark under the mountains. These other funny creatures, it never goes into this in... The Hobbit. I'm not actually sure Tolkien had... Yeah, Tolkien probably hadn't even come up with it himself yet, who they were. Um, so this is a bit of a minor Lord of the Rings spoiler. These were river folk who were relatives of Hobbits, basically. They were connected with the store line of Hobbits. So these were hobbit-like creatures that lived near a river in uh, the Gladden Fields. And, um, yeah, he had actually been driven away from, uh, the, from his people because he was, you know, sneaking around and, um, causing trouble and he had um, even murdered his cousin, which I don't think he'd ever actually been truly caught as the one who did it. But um, yeah, he he was treated with suspicion because he acted suspicious all the time, and um, he wanted to. He was into you know, going into like dark places like the cave, and he went in centuries ago, and he never came out until um, you'll see later in Lord of the Rings. But for now, you know, he's Gollum. He's in his cave, and Bilbo agrees to this riddle game because. He wasn't sure what this creature was either. He was... And... 
he uh yeah he wanted a way out and he didn't know whether uh it was fierce or hungry or a friend of the goblins. I think it, he took a risk by giving it his uh, real name, but I don't think Bilbo was quite wary enough of what could come of that. So he he asked Gollum to do the first riddle, and the riddle goes: What has roots as nobody sees is taller than trees. Up, up, up it goes, and yet never grows. And Bilbo gets this easily. It's mountain. And... And, uh... Now, as, as you're going to find, some of these riddles seem pretty straightforward, and, like, you could guess it, you know, yourself. Others... I couldn't in a million years um, have guessed the correct answer. So. And Gollum's riddles tend to have like a darker, uh, a darker tone to them than Bilbo's. And at this point, Gollum suggests they have a competition. It must have a competition with us, my precious. If precious asks and it doesn't answer, we eats it, my precious. If it asks us and we doesn't answer, then we does what it wants, eh? We shows it the way out, yes? Bilbo agrees to this. Now, I... Now, I want to say one thing. <laughs> Do you notice that Gollum calls Bilbo it? And Gollum calls himself precious or we... Yes. Um, I mean, I don't think Bilbo was going to just let himself be eaten if he was to lose. Um, and they have reasons to... Yeah, it's not like Gollum was really going to show him the way out either. Um, Though we'll get to that. And so Bilbo does one... Thirty white horses on a red hill. First they champ, then they stamp, then they stand still. Now, when I read this as a kid, this was the only one of the riddles that I, like, straightforward, you know, got myself. Like, I didn't actually get, um, the other riddles. The normal riddles, anyway. Um, and the answer was teeth. Now, the reason I knew this one because I had encountered a very similar version of the same riddle in a Beatrix Potter book. Um, uh, Gollum guesses it easily. Teeth, teeth, my precious, but we only have six. There we go. He's got six teeth and there he is eating meat without silverware and... <laughs> Well, he probably hasn't seen a toothbrush or toothpaste ever in his life. And whatever cleaning method he may have had before living under the mountain 
has surely not happened in the long time that Gollum surely has lived there. And in the live-action movie, they changed it so that he has nine teeth. And I think this is because they had already um, CGI'd Gollum for Lord of the Rings without taking into account making his teeth accurate and didn't want to change it. Probably didn't think too many people were going to bother to count them either. And then Gollum gives his second riddle. Voiceless it cries, wingless flutters, toothless bites, mouthless mutters. And... Um, Bilbo, um, he's flustered at first, but he gets it quick enough. It's wind. And he comes up with what he thinks is a nasty, is a, a puzzle that, a riddle that will puzzle the nasty little underground creature. Um, I think this would puzzle most people. An eye in a blue face saw an eye in a green face. That eye is like to this eye, said the first eye, but in low place, not in high place. Yeah, I, w- I didn't get this. I didn't. I don't think most people would get this. I still don't get it. I mean, I know the answer, but I don't get it. I think it's supposed to be like the sun. Yeah, it's sun on the daisies. Gollum gets it. He gets it pretty quick. So the blue face is the sky and the eye is the sun? Yes, and the green face is the grass and the eye is a daisy. But it's weird. And Gollum is having memories of, you know, living with his grandmother in a hole in a bank by the river. And that's making him angry and hungry thinking about that. So it sounds like he lived in a hole in a bank by the river. Sounds very similar to how Bilbo lived in a more simple way. Except without knowing all that backstory from Lord of the Rings about him being something of Hobbit kind, I'm still picturing... When I read this without any of this back knowledge, I was imagining something like a hole like an otter or something would live in, not a full hobbit hole. But apparently it was maybe not as nice as Bilbo's, I doubt, but his grandmother might have had a nicer one. She was apparently the leader of this um, group of hobbit-like creatures. Now he gives his next riddle, and he went for one that um, he was trying to make it more difficult and more unpleasant. It cannot be seen, cannot be felt, cannot be heard, cannot be smelt. It lies behind stars and under hills, and empty holes it fills. It comes first and follows after, ends life, kills laughter. And... Bilbo gets it quickly because he had heard that sort of thing before and the answer was all around him anyway. Dark. And uh, he gives a riddle that he thinks is an easy one. A box without hinges, key or lid, yet golden treasure inside is hid. And Gollum has a lot of trouble with that. He's taking a long time and he's hissing to himself. 
And Bilbo even becomes impatient and says, well, what is it? The answer's not a kettle boiling over, as you seem to think from the noise you are making. Give us a chance. Let it give us a chance, my precious. And uh, Bilbo gives him a long chance and says, what about your guess? And then Gollum is remembering thieving from Ness long ago and sitting under the riverbank teaching his grandmother to suck eggs eggs as it is. This is still weird to me. I... I have... It seems weird to me that um, his grandmother would be just there with uh, a young golem teaching her how to suck eggs. I mean, I would think she'd not be quite as weird as golem is and... uh, find that a bit uh, uncouth? Well, she probably did. Then he asks, alive without breath, as cold as death, never thirsty, ever drinking, all in mail, never clinking. And it's Bilbo who's having trouble with this one, and he's waiting a long time and getting flustered and Gollum starts beginning to hiss with pleasure to himself. Is it nice, my precious? Is it juicy? Is it scrumptiously crunchable? While looking at Bilbo. And Bilbo is telling Gollum to wait. He gave him a long chance. It must make haste, haste. And Gollum begins to climb out of the boat on the shore to get to Bilbo. And when he puts his foot in the water, a fish jumps out and falls on Bilbo's toes. And um, Bilbo then um, gets the answer, because the answer just lands it on his foot. A fish. And Gollum's disappointed by that, and Bilbo does his next one. No legs lay on one leg. Two legs sat near on three legs. Four legs got some. And that's another weird one. Well, it's mentioned that Bilbo didn't really time this right. If he'd done it another time, Gollum might have actually had trouble with it. But after the fish, no legs is an easy guess. And And the rest comes easily to Gollum. Fish on a little table. Man at table, sitting on a stool. The cat has the bones. And um, then he comes up with one that he thinks hard and horrible. This thing all things devours. Birds, beasts, trees, flowers. Gnaws iron. Bites steel. Grinds hard stones to meal. Slays king, ruins town, and beats high mountain down. Bilbo is um, thinking of... Um, horrible names of giants and ogres he'd heard about in tales, and none of them had done all of these things. Um, side note, I don't think ogres exist in uh, this world. I don't know if Tolkien had decided that yet. I mean, maybe this is how hobbits, you know, think of some of the orcs or trolls that do exist. Um, but that's, that's a side tangent from what's going on here. Um, 
he's he's scared and he's not thinking well being scared that's not improving things and Gollum gets out into the water and gets onto the bank and is getting um, closer to Bilbo and Bilbo tries to say give me more time give me time but all that comes out with a sudden squeal was time time and Bilbo was saved by pure luck for that of course was the answer which it is time does all of those things And, um, Gollum is getting angry and disappointed, and, um, he says, It's got to ask us a question, my precious. Yes, yes, yes. Just one more question to guess, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm enjoying this Gollum speech. (laughs) (laughs) Ask us. Ask us, as Bilbo is scratching and pinching himself, trying to think of something um, with Gollum right next to him. Or, uh, actually in front of him. Oh, next to him, actually. Um, and he reaches into his pocket and he feels the ring that he's forgotten about. And he says, what have I got in my pocket? And he just said that to himself aloud. Gollum thought it was a riddle, and he was upset. You know, this isn't fair. Not fair, not fair, he hissed. It isn't fair, my precious, is it, to ask us what it's got in its nasty little pocketses. Bilbo repeats the question, what have I got in my pocket? hissed Gollum. It must give us three guesses, my precious. Three guesses. Very well, guess away. Hanses, guesses Gollum. Wrong, said Bilbo, because he'd just taken his hand out of his pocket just in time. And Gollum starts to think of the stuff that he keeps in his own pocket. Fish bones, goblin's teeth, wet shells, a bit of bat wing, a sharp stone to sharpen his fangs on, and other nasty things. He tried to think of what other people kept in their pockets. Uh... Gollum, I'm used to him being pictured wearing a little loincloth, nothing but to put a pocket in, but um, to be fair, the loincloth outfit is never actually mentioned here, so uh, maybe he did have pockets. Knife, he guesses. Wrong, said Bilbo, who had lost his some time ago. I guess he had a separate knife than his uh, sword knife. Yeah. Um... And Gollum is hissing and spluttering and rocking backwards and forward and slapping his feet and, in general, being upset. And Bilbo says, come on, I'm waiting. And, um, this is his final guess. This is his final up. guess coming up. Time's up. String or nothing, shrieked Gollum, which was not quite fair, working in two guesses at once. Both wrong. And this point, Bilbo was going to ask, ask Gollum to honor his promise and show him the way out. But, um, in spite of the riddle game being considered apparently sacred and that even wicked creatures are afraid to cheat at it, he still 
he doesn't trust Gollum to keep his word, and it wasn't even really a proper riddle that Bilbo asked the last time. And when asked about um, showing the way out and honoring his promise, Gollum says, Did we say so, precious? Show the nasty little baggins the way out, yes, yes. But what has it got in its pockets, is eh? Not string, precious, but not nothing. Oh no, Gollum. And Bilbo's a promise is a promise. Cross it is, impatient, precious, hissed Gollum. But it must wait, yes, it must. We can't go up the tunnel so hasty. We must go and get some things first, yes. Things to help us. And Bilbo's like, hurry up. And then, um... You know, Bilbo tells Gollum to hurry up, and, um... He's thinking, what what useful thing could he have out in that dark lake? But... Gollum indeed did mean to come back, and he had a plan, and he was hungry. On his, in the, in the lake was an island, and in this um, hiding place, he kept uh, a few of wretched oddments, and one very beautiful thing, very beautiful, very wonderful. He had a ring, a golden ring, a precious ring. So uh, I think you guess now that uh, the ring Bilbo has in his pocket is that ring. My birthday present, Gollum whispered to himself as he had done in the endless dark days. This is what we want now. Yes, we want it. And then it goes on that this was a ring of power. And if it's you slip it on your finger, you're invisible. And you can only be seen at all in the full sunlight and just by your shadow, which is shaky and faint. My birthday present. It came to me on my birthday, my precious. So he had always said to himself. But who knows how Gollum came by that present. Ages ago, in the old days, when such rings were still at large in the world. Perhaps even the master who ruled them could not have said. All right. This doesn't come up in The Hobbit, but in Lord of the Rings, it does come up. Yes, um, he killed his cousin to get the ring because his cousin wouldn't give it to him as a birthday present after finding it while fishing. So, obviously, this birthday present thing is some kind of uh, a guilt thing he's come up for himself um, to cope with what he has done to get the ring, and this master who ruled them is Sauron. You could do a whole podcast on the rings. Yes. Um, Sauron barely comes into this story, and he's called the Necromancer. Um, But at this point, yeah, he's Sauron is barely relevant to the story, so I'll uh, leave it at that. Gollum used to wear it at first till it tired him, and then he kept it in a pouch next to his skin till it galled him. And now usually he hid it in a hole in the rock on his island, and was always going back to look at it. And still sometimes he put it on when he could not bear to be parted from it any longer, or when he was very, very hungry and tired of fish. And what he'd do then is he'd put on the ring and he'd sneak out to um, 
look for stray goblins. And you know, he'd keep out of the torchlight. Um, it, it bothered his eyes. And, um... He'd, uh, sneak up behind the goblin and he'd strangle it. And, um, that's how he'd caught the small goblin that he'd eaten before. And as you can see, he's obsessed about this ring. Um, he's addicted to it. That's why he's got to go keep looking at it. He's got to go, um, put it on sometimes. And and the ring, I believe, kind of transformed him from what he once looked like living in that riverbank. Yeah, he wore it too long, and, you know, he's, he's 500 years old, and the ring kept him alive that long and kept him strong that long, but he's still, like, anciently old and... That's, uh, that's got an effect. And it also you know, twisted his mind more. I mean, he probably was already a little sketchy to begin with. Um, not everybody just, like, murders the other person on sight because they have the ring, and Gollum did. Um, back not only another person, family. Yeah. So... He probably was not all that normal to begin with, but the ring made him much worse, keeping it so long. And Bilbo doesn't know any of this, and he's just waiting for Gollum to come back. And he hears a screech that sends a shiver down his back, and Gollum is cursing and wailing off on his island, looking for his ring. Where is it? Where is it? Lost it is, my precious. Lost, lost. Curse us and crush us. My precious is lost. What's the matter, Bilbo called. What have you lost? It mustn't ask us, shrieked Gollum. Not its business. No, Gollum. It's lost. Gollum, Gollum, Gollum. Well, so am I, cried Bilbo, and I want to get unlost, and I won the game, and you promised. So come along. Come and let me out, and then go on with your looking. And Gollum is... Not coming along. No, not yet, precious. We must search for it. It's lost, Gollum. And Bilbo reminds him that he never guessed the last question, and he promised. And then Gollum says, never guessed. And he gives a sharp hiss and comes out of the gloom. What has it got in its pockets? Is? Tell us that. It must tell first. And Bilbo doesn't think any particular reason why he shouldn't tell. But Gollum had already guessed. Because he thinks about the ring nonstop. And Bilbo's annoyed. He had won the game after all. Answers were to be guessed, not given. But it wasn't a fair question. Not a riddle, precious, no. Oh well, if it's a matter of ordinary questions... Then I asked one first. What have you lost? Tell me that. What has it got in its pocketses? And he's hissing louder and sharper. And um, his eyes are showing us two small points of light. 
and they're burning with a pale flame, so I guess glowing more as the suspicion grew in Gollum's mind. And Bilbo keeps asking, what have you lost? And the light is now showing as a green fire, and he's swiftly coming nearer. And he's at that point, he's going to go for Bilbo. He's not even afraid of the sword anymore. He's so angry at losing his ring. And Bilbo is going to... Bilbo decides to run for it and go back down the passage he came. And he's feeling the wall. And... Gollum says, what has it got in its pockets, says, as a loud hiss. And Bilbo says, what have I, I wonder. And he, as he's you know, stumbling along, and he puts his left hand in his pocket, and the ring felt very cold, and it quietly slipped onto his groping forefinger. Um, it almost makes it sound like the ring did it itself, which it might have. Because um, the ring does have a mind of its own. And Gollum runs right past him. Because Bilbo has become invisible. And uh, Bilbo notices his sword is still glowing faintly and he sheaths it so it won't be seen and he follows Gollum. Because um Gollum thinks that Bilbo must know the way out because he knew the way in. Curse it, curse it, curse it, hissed Gollum. Curse the Baggins. It's gone. What has it gotten? It's pockets. Oh, we guess, we guess, my precious. He's found it. Yes, he must have. My birthday present. My birthday present, curse it. How did we lose it, my precious? Yes, that's it. When we came this way last... When we twisted that nasty young squeaker, that's it, curse it, it slipped from us. After all these ages and ages, it's gone, Gollum. Gollum's actually right, it did actually slip from him. Um, This comes up in Lord of the Rings, but the ring is um, sentient, it has its own mind, and it was tired of being with Gollum, being with Gollum didn't suit its purposes, and it left him. Bilbo is uh, following Gollum and Gollum has stopped uh, weeping and he's talking to himself seeming to have an argument with himself it's no good going back there to search no we doesn't remember all the places we visited and it's no use the Baggins has got it in its pockets the nasty noser has found it we says we guesses precious only guesses we can't know till we find the nasty creature and squeezes it, but it doesn't know what the present can do, does it? It'll just keep it in its pockets. It doesn't know and it can't go far. It's lost itself, the nasty nosy thing. It doesn't know the way out. It said so. It said so, yes, but it's tricksy. It doesn't know, say what it means. It won't say what it's got in its pockets. Is it knows it knows a way in. It must know a way out, yes. It's off to the back door. To the back door, that's it. The goblin says we'll catch it then. It can't get out that way, precious. Sss, sss, Gollum. 
goblins is, yes, but if it's got the present, our precious present, then goblins is will get it, Gollum. They'll find it. They'll find out what it does. We shan't ever be safe again. Never, Gollum. One of the goblins says we'll put it on, and then no one will see him. He'll be there, but not seen. Not even our clever eyes will notice him. And he'll come creepsy and tricksy and catch us, Gollum Gollum. Let's stop talking, precious, and make haste. If the Baggins has gone that way, we must go quick and see. Go, not far now, make haste. And with a great spring, Gollum gets up and starts shambling off at a great pace, and Bilbo... Um, follows after him, still wearing the ring and realizing it it makes him invisible, which he just takes in stride. He'd heard of such things in really old tales, but it was hard for him to believe he had really found one. But Gollum had run right past him with his bright eyes. And so he's following Gollum to the way out, and Gollum is counting the side passages. One left, yes. One right, yes. Two right, yes, yes. Two left, yes, yes. And he's um, slowing down his count. He's slowing down and counting. He's starting to get uh, shaky and weepy because he's leaving the water behind. And he's getting afraid that goblins might be about... Seven right, yes. Six left, yes. This is it. This is the way to the back door, yes. Here's the passage. But we doesn't go in, precious. No, we doesn't. Goblins is down there. Lots of goblins is. We smells them. What shall we do? Curse them and crush them. We must wait here, precious. Wait a bit and see. And he's waiting outside the, the back door. The passage to it. And I'd say, yeah, it's a pretty legit fear that of his that goblins could get the ring. Um, oh, an interesting question is what what would Sauron have done if uh, a goblin had gotten his ring? Um, would the goblin have gotten away for it with it for a while? Would Sauron have found a so- way to summon the goblin back to him or um, get other goblins to go and arrest him for it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it wouldn't be good if a goblin got it. wouldn't be good for anyone. Including that goblin. And Bilbo sees Gollum blocking off the... He's sitting blocking the passage out and he's thinking to himself that he would have to fight to get out he would have to um, kill Gollum to get past but he thinks it's not a fair fight he's invisible Gollum doesn't have a sword Gollum had not actually threatened to kill him or tried to yet Uh, I think he kind of had but And yeah, when he makes reference to eating him, that's, that's a kinda, threat. That's a pretty big threat. And um, Gollum was miserable, alone, and lost. And Bilbo feels pity for him, and he can't bring himself to try to kill Gollum, which um, will be significant to Lord of the Rings later. So something about Gollum made him feel this much 
kitty, which, um, yeah, considering Bilbo does indeed kill other creatures later in the book, I don't think this is much of a spoiler. It's, it's not something Bilbo's totally unwilling to do to anything. But something about Gollum, he can't bring himself to do it. And he takes a big leap over Gollum's head and narrowly misses hitting his head on the roof of the cave. And he's not out yet. He's not out yet. He's climbing a sloping passage upward. And he can hear Gollum, thief, 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 Baggins. We hates it, we hates it, we hates it forever. Yeah, giving uh, Gollum his name wasn't smart. As um, will be found out later in Lord of the Rings. And um, he can see the final... Um, was this his first burglaring? Uh, um, he tried to burgle the trolls before. He just failed. Yeah, that's that's his first actual burgling. Um, not not counting plundering the trolls' cave after they're already dead. Well, turned to stone. I don't think burglaring is quite the word for that. And. He can see a last passage, and he can see light out through a doorway, but it's full of goblins. And he's trying to sneak past the um, goblins. He's terrified. He's got to do it. And they notice... Uh, they notice something, and they're... They're searching around the room, they're, um, they'll look out for the door, go back up the passage. So he's trying to dodge all these goblins and not get bumped into, because if they bump into him, they'll get him anyway. And he tries to get through the door, but he gets stuck. And he pushes at the door, um, which doesn't... It doesn't open anymore, and he squeezes through, and his uh, buttons pop off of his waistcoat. And he runs for it, and the goblins are just bewildered and picking up his brass buttons off of the doorstep. And they they run out chasing him, and, and Bilbo's gone. He's off in the shadows of the trees, and... Um, the goblins aren't seeing him, and that ends, um, Riddles in the Dark. Well, there is one more thing, though, if if you want to mention it, about what happens to the ring if you're wearing it when you reach full sunlight. Yes, the, the shadow, you can see your shadow, it's, it's a thin, like, shaky shadow, it's not, like, a full shaky one. Shaky and but... faint, but, uh, that's the only time you, you will be seen is by your shadow in the full daylight, yeah. 
Now that ends um, Riddles in the Dark. And um, the next chapter begins Out of the Frying Pan and Into the Fire. Now Bilbo has escaped the goblins, but he's lost his hood, his cloak, his food, his pony, his buttons, and his friends. And he sees the sun sinking westwards behind the mountains. So he's come all the way um, past the mountains into the just the foothills of it. And the hard way onto the cave. I mean, he's saved some time, but... And uh, he... He wanders out of the little high valley he's in and over the edge, and he's he's beginning to have thoughts that maybe, because since he has that ring, he should go back into the goblin tunnels to look for his friends, that it's the right thing to do, and he's not happy about it. And that's when he hears the voices and sees the dwarves and yeah, Gandalf, and he still has his ring on, and... Gandalf is arguing with the dwarves about, you know, that they should go back to look for Bilbo if and find out if he's alive or dead and trying to rescue him. And the worst, Gandalf says, after all, he is my friend and not a bad little chap. I feel responsible for him. I wish to goodness you had not lost him. And... Bilbo is still, he's planning on uh, sneaking up on the dwarves and surprising them. And one of the dwarves says, he has been more trouble than you so far. If we have to, got to go back now into those abominable, abominable tunnels to look for him, then drat him, I say. In which Gandalf says, I brought him and I don't bring things that are of no use. Either you help me to look out for him, you help me to look for him or I go and leave you here to get out of this mess as best you can yourselves. If you, if we can only find him again, you will thank me before all is over. Whatever did you want to go and drop him for, Dory? You would have dropped him, said Dory, if a goblin had suddenly grabbed your legs from behind in the dark, tripped up your feet, and kicked you in the back. And why didn't you pick him up again? Good heavens, can you ask? Goblins fighting and biting in the dark, everybody falling over bodies and hitting one another? You nearly chopped off my head with Glamdring, and Thorn was stabbing here, there, and everywhere with Orcrist. All of a sudden, you gave one of your blinding flashes, and we saw the goblins running back yelping. You shouted, follow me, everybody, and everybody ought to have followed. We thought everybody had. There was no time to count, as you know quite well, till we had dashed through the gate guards, out of the lower door, and helter-skelter down here, and here we are, without the burglar confustigate him. And here's the burglar, said Bilbo, stepping out into the middle of them and slipping off the rings. Of course, the dwarves are all surprised and delighted. And um, Bilbo's reputation goes up with them that he was able to just not only get out, but sneak right into the middle of them. And they ask how he did it. And um, Bilbo says, oh, just crept along, you know, very carefully and quietly. And Balin said that even a mouse would have... This is the first time even a mouse has crept along carefully and quietly under his very nose and not be spotted, and I take off my hood to you. Which he did. Balin at your service, your servant, Mr. Baggins. Now, here's an important thing to note. Um, now, Bilbo did not tell the truth. 
and that's the that's the very beginning of the ring is starting to affect him negatively also he's being secretive about having it and another important note is um i probably should have mentioned this in the last chapter the earliest edition of the hobbit which is very hard to find very expensive if it's available no i have not read it um has a few changes um, that this um, current edition was changed from and one of the important significant changes is that Gollum actually um, bet his ring willingly and gave it to Bilbo willingly. Um, Bilbo didn't have to steal it. Um, I am curious how this first edition was different in other ways, too. Um, some of it had to do with, uh, there was a mention of China. There's no China in Middle-earth. Um, a mention of policemen. They don't have policemen either. They have sheriffs, which aren't quite the same thing. Um, but, yes, the, some parts about the ring were rewritten to reflect... Um, how Tolkien had written Lord of the Rings to keep it consistent. So, anyway, yeah, Bilbo is um, fudging the truth to the dwarves because the ring is already starting to make him um, want to keep it a secret from them. Um, Bilbo would normally have told them the truth. And they want to hear his adventures, and he tells them all about them and about Gollum, except for the bit about the ring. Left that out. And um, they ask if there was any guards, because they had to fight their way through them, and um, Bilbo says that he dodged them and got stuck in the door, and... Gandalf says, what did I tell you? Mr. Baggins has more about him than you guess. And he gives Bilbo a uh, queer look from under his bushy eyebrows. And the Hobbit is wondering if uh, he has somehow guessed the part that uh, he didn't tell. And... Um, so the dwarves and uh, Gandalf tell their story and um, it says that Gandalf doesn't mind explaining his cleverness more than once and he uh, told Bilbo that both he and Elrond had been well aware of the presence of evil goblins in that part of the mountains but their main gate used to come out on a different pass <coughs> one more easy to travel by and they often caught people benighted near their gates and people had evidently given up going that way and the goblins must have opened their new entrance um, at the pass the dwarves had taken and that it had been safe until now and he must find a more or less decent giant to block it up again or soon there will be no getting over the mountains at all and um, 
when Gandalf heard Bilbo yell um, when the goblins took their ponies, um, he he killed the some goblins with a flash, and then he uh, nipped inside the crack just as it snapped to, and he followed uh, the goblins down to their main uh, cavern. Now that flash, did it come from his staff, a sword? I assume it's from either his staff or his uh, pyrotechnics. And uh, it says Gandalf had made a special study of bewitchments with fire and lights. Even the Hobbit had never forgotten the magic fireworks at Old Took's Midsummer Eve parties, as you remember. And uh, the rest, you know, they already knew about how they'd fought their way past the the back door. And at this point, um, Gandalf says that they should get going because the goblins are going to come out when it's night. They don't like um, coming out in the day. The light hurts their eyes, but... um, they will come out in hundreds after it gets dark, and there'll be a bit of a moon, which is good for them to see by. But the, the goblins aren't going to mind the moon much, but it's going to help uh, the dwarves and Bilbo to see. And Bilbo had lost track of time inside the goblin tunnels. T- today was Thursday, and it was Monday night or Tuesday morning that they were caught. Um, so they'd been lost in the tunnels a good three days. Bilbo is dreadfully hungry. Remember, he's a hobbit and uh, he likes his six meals a day. And Gandalf says he can't help it unless you want to go back to the goblins and ask them nicely to give them back their pony and uh, luggage. And Bilbo says, no, thank you to that. They keep going, and Bilbo uh, notices some blackberry bushes, but they're still in flower, don't have berries yet, no nuts yet either, not even hawthorn berries. He nipples a bit of sorrel, and drank from a small mountain stream that crossed the path, and ate three wild strawberries that he found on its bank, but it was not much good. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not gonna be very satisfying. The sorrel, it's kind of a spinach like green with a lemon flavor I've had it before and it's not the kind of thing that's filling and they're they're going on down the uh the mountain uh foothills and they uh there's some ni- Nice scenery described, rabbit crop turf, thyme and sage and marjoram, yellow rock roses all vanished, and they found themselves at the top of a wide, steep slope of fallen stones, the remains of a landslide. And uh, when they get onto this, it um, starts to slide away again, and um, they get caught in the landslide of falling, sliding stones, and are stopped by the trees at the bottom, a climbing wood of pines that 
stood uh, right up the mountain slope from the deeper, darker forests of the valleys below. And some of the dwarves um, actually grabbed hold of the trunks and pulled themselves up into the lower branches to get out of the rock slide. And Bilbo got, and some of the others got behind a tree to shelter from it. And they just let the rock slide past them and And then go, went on again when it was safe. And Gandalf says that's going to help them. Uh, the goblins will have a harder time tracking them. And Bomber grumbles, I dare say, but they won't find it difficult to send stones bouncing down on our heads. And um, the dwarves and Bilbo aren't happy. They... They have um, minor bruises and injury on their legs and feet. And they turn aside out of the path of the rock slide. And um, the sun's really um, going down. And they're going through the pine forest. And a sea of bracken with tall fronds rising right above the hobbit's head. And... Yeah, that shows how small Bilbo is. I mean, bracken ferns are tall, but... Um... They're they're not so tall that the average, you know, grown person is going to be shorter than them. Now, I'm a short person, four, nine and three quarters in height. I consider myself a hobbit, though... In true Hobbit standards, I believe I would be quite tall. Yeah, you'd still be, like, probably the tallest in the Shire, or at least one of them, depending on uh, if uh, they've had how much ent draft they've uh, had, which also doesn't come up in this book. Uh, mm-hmm. Little windows into the future of... Uh, and they're going now over a floor of pine needles, and it's getting gloomier, and the forest silence heavier, and the wind is bringing a sea sighing into the branches of the trees. Bilbo is, you know, really getting uncomfortable at this point. His legs and feet are bruised from the rock slide, and he's hungry. He, you know, having not eaten in three days except for the little bit of vegetation he foraged. And then the moon is up and shining and they hear a long shuddering howl and then another a good deal nearer to them. Wolves gathering at the moon. Howling at the moon. Wolves gathering together. And there weren't any wolves living near um, Bilbo's home in the Shire. Wolves, uh, I don't think, really come into the Shire all, all that often. It's mentioned again in Lord of the Rings that um, during the, f- the fell winter and the Brandywine froze over, um, wolves crossed the river and came into the Shire. And it, it sounds like wolves aren't something hobbits in the Shire would normally see at all. But one of... Uh, 
his elder cousins on the Tuk side, of course on the Tuk side, who was a great traveler, would uh, imitate the wolf howling to frighten him. And hearing it out in the wild like that was too much for Bilbo. Um, Even magic rings were not much use against wolves, especially against the evil packs that lived under the shadow of the goblin-infested mountains. Over the edge of the wild on the borders of the unknown, wolves of that sort smell keener than goblins and did not need to see you to catch you. Um, I think that's reasonably true of even regular wolves. They have very good sense of smell, better than uh, most dogs. I think a wolf would still be confused by not seeing its prey, but um, it would totally be able to track you easily, invisible or not. What shall we do? What shall we do? He cried. Escaping goblins to be caught by wolves, he said, and it became a proverb. Though we now say, out of the frying pan into the fire in the same sort of uncomfortable situations. And Gandalf says to go up the trees quick. And um, they climb the trees and it's described like it's it's funny. All these uh, dwarves with their beards up up the trees as if they were old gentlemen gone cracked and playing at being boys. Feely and Keely in a tall larch, like an enormous Christmas tree. Dory, Nori, Ori, Oin, and Gloin, more comfortable in a huge pine with regular branches sticking out at intervals like the spokes of a wheel. Biffer, Bofer, Bomber, and Thorn were in another. Dwellin and Balin had swarmed up a tall, slender fir with few branches and were trying to find a place to sit in the greenery of the topmost boughs. And Gandalf, who was a good deal taller than the others, had found a tree into which they could not climb a large pine standing at the very edge of the glade, and he's hidden in the boughs with his eyes gleaming in the moon as he peeps out. And Bilbo can't get into any of the trees, and he's scuttling around from trunk to trunk. And um, Nori says to his brother, um, Dory, you've left the burglar behind again. And Dory's like, I can't always... I can't be always carrying burglars on my back, down tunnels and up trees. What do you think I am? A porter? He'll be eaten if we don't do something, said Thorin, for there are howls all around them now, getting nearer and nearer. Dory, he called, for Dory was lowest down in the easiest tree. Be quick and give Mr. Baggins a hand up. And Dory, you know, he actually does care. He grumbles, but he does care, and he... um gets down to help Bilbo and even gets all the way out of the tree and lets Bilbo climb on his back to easily, more easily get up. Yeah, this is the point where, uh, if, if I had been with them, that would have, um, that would have been it for me unless, uh, someone helped me. I am terrible at climbing trees unless they got very low branches. Um, and, and any tree I could climb, a wolf could do also. <laughs> and I was kind of already thinking this, you know, reading this as a little skinny, agile kid. Trees were still not my uh, forte for the most part. Uh, and yes, trees would be like the only foolproof way to get away from wolves. Um, I think it's uh, fair to mention that 
normal, healthy, non-fantasy wolves would not, under normal circumstances, be likely to attack people, but these are not normal wolves, even by the standards of this fantasy world. Um, they are wargs, which are evil wolves that, um, they have their own language, they have an alliance with the goblins, I'll get more into that later, um, but they're not regular wolves. I think that regular wolves do exist in Middle-earth, but wargs and werewolves are the ones Tolkien actually directly puts in his stories, so... Um, yeah, a wolf actually nearly gets Dory. It jumps up and snaps at his cloak. And they're all howling and yelping below the trees because they can't climb. Um, yeah. Though being stuck in a tree with wolves at the base, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Um, yeah, the reason why wolves can't climb trees is because, um, well, they're too heavy, and they have um, blunt claws that don't retract like a cat's do. That's why, um, for the most part, dogs and canines can't climb trees. Yes, there are a few really talented exceptions, but in general. And cats, even the big ones, can because they have extendable claws that are, you know, permanently sharp because they're protected like that, and a little science lesson here, um, so, uh, the wargs are gathered around the trees, and their, uh, leader is a great gray wolf, and he's talking to his pack in their language, and Gandalf understood it. Bilbo didn't, which is probably just as well for Bilbo. Um, so what Gandalf heard is that the wargs were uh, waiting for the goblins to come because they were going to have a raid and raid the woodmen who lived in the area. This is, you know, human woodmen people raid them, and the ones who aren't uh, killed would be taken back as slaves by the goblins. And the goblins were late. They um, they had you know, obviously been delayed by Bilbo and the dwarves, you know, causing havoc in um, the goblin tunnels. And so the the wargs are waiting for them, and they think that the dwarves in the trees are spies for the woodmen, so they are, you know, setting wargs at guard at the trees, you know, sniff out each tree that has a dwarf in it, and or has any dwarves in it, has Gandalf, so that they, they can't leave. And even though Gandalf is a wizard, he's beginning, he's He's afraid. It's a bad situation. And he... 
um, lights a pine cone with bright blue fire and throws it into the circle of wolves, and its fur catches fire, and it's leaping to and fro, yelping horribly. He's throwing more pine cones at them in different colors, blue flames, red, green. So it sounds like he's got some of his wizard power techniques uh, in use here. A especially large one hit the chief wolf on the nose, and he leaped in the air ten feet and then rushed round and round the circle, biting and snapping even at the other wolves in his anger and fright. Wolves are afraid of fire at all times, and this is the most horrible and uncanny fire. If a spark got in their coats, it stuck and burned into them, and unless they rolled over quick, they were soon all in flames, and very soon um, there's wolves all around the glade rolling over to put out the fire, and the ones that are already burning, um, their own pack members are chasing them off so they don't set other wolves on fire, and they're running away down the slopes looking for water. Okay, I understand these aren't regular wolves and they're evil, but I kind of feel bad for them. Um, and the Lord of the Eagles is um, hearing the wolves in the distance, and he says, what is all this uproar in the forest tonight? And he and uh, two other eagles um, fly to check it out, and they see the wargs far, far below them. But they're eagles; they can see, you know, extreme distances. And um, the Lord of the Eagles of the Misty Mountains has eyes so keen that he could uh, look at the sun unblinking and can see a rabbit moving on the ground a mile below, even in the moonlight. Um, I think now is also time to mention that the eagles... It's not mentioned in The Hobbit once again. It's mentioned in uh, other works of Tolkien. These aren't regular eagles either. They are... Basically, they're beings in the service of the Valar Manwi, who um, is associated with the sky and air. Um, so the these are special eagles. Um, and, you know, he's watching them, and the goblins are showing up. They brought their spears and helmets, and... Um, the eagles are not kindly birds. Some are cowardly and cruel, but the ancient race of the northern mountains were the greatest of all birds. They were proud and strong and noble-hearted. They did not love goblins or fear them. And when they took any notice of them at all, which was seldom, for they did not eat such creatures, they swooped on them and drove them shrieking back to their caves and stopped whatever wickedness they were doing. And the, gob the goblins hated the eagles and feared them, but couldn't reach their... Uh, lofty seats or drive them from the mountains. The Lord of the Eagles is filled with curiosity and um, he's circling down to investigate and he's brought many other eagles with him also. And um, yeah, things aren't going so good down on the ground. The wolves that were on fire have set the forest on fire in several places and it's summer um the eastern side of the mountains, they haven't had much rain in a long time. 
and yeah, you know, there's tried, yeah, dried branches and ferns and deep piled pine needles, the typical things you see in in woods and things that are creating high fire, fire risk. That's what fire risk would be in the real world too. Uh, and that is, is exasperate exas. I can't say the word. Uh, that's basically what's happening in forest fires that are happening in this country right now. And um, when the goblins come up, well, first, um, some of them, they thought there was a battle going on with the woodmen, but when they saw what it really happened, some of them are actually laughing. They sit down and they laugh, and um, some are waving their spears, and... Uh, clashing against their shields. Goblins are not afraid of fire. And they came up with a plan. They got the wolves together in a pack. They stacked the dried um, brush and ferns around the tree trunks. They stamped out some of the fires, but the ones that were closest to the trees, they encouraged and fed these flames so that they've got fire below the tree trunks of all the trees with the dwarf in them. So they're at risk of you know, being burned, it's, you know, be burned or jump, and either way, that's, they're gonna die. And so the goblins are really having fun with this, and, uh, they have a song. Fifteen birds and five fir trees, their feathers were fanned in a fiery breeze, but funny little birds, they had no wings. Oh, what shall we do with the funny little things? Roast them alive or stew them in a pot, fry them, boil them, and eat them hot. Fly, and then they're like, fly away, little birds. Fly away if you can. Come down, little birds, or you will get roasted in your nests. Sing, sing, little birds. Why don't you sing? And Gandalf um, shouts back to them, Go away, little boys. It isn't bird nesting time. Also, naughty little boys that play with fire get punished. Now, where's all this, where's all this sass in the movies, huh? And uh, the goblins continue to sing, and this song is a bit more uh, disturbing. Burn, burn, tree and fern, shrivel and scorch, a fizzling torch, to light the night for our delight, ya hay. Bake and toast and fry and roast them till beards blaze and eyes glaze till hair smells and skins crack, fat melts and bones black and cinders lie beneath the sky, so dwarves shall die and light the night for our delight. Ya hey, ya hairy hey, ya hoy. Uh, this is a kid's book. <laughs> yeah, well. And um, when the last um, ya hoy, the flames are under Gandalf's tree and... Um, the lower branches are cracking and the bark's catching fire. Um, yeah, I'll say that this is really a a problem with the dry woods. Um, I have actually been in a forest that was actively on fire, um, because of a fire that got away from uh, the campsite of, um, a guy who was kind of squatting out there. And the ground and trees were all damp and... Um, I mean, of course, I ran for it. I left the woods, but when I came back to look after the fire had been put out, 
There was very little in the way of actual damage, like the dry leaves and some like underbrush had been burned, but not all of even the underbrush and the trees. There was a little bit of scorching on the trunk, but because they were damp, they really didn't catch. Only maybe some of the really little saplings. So whether it has rained or not really does make that much of an impact on whether a forest fire occurs. Um, and Gandalf gets up to the top of the tree and he's actually at that point planning to jump and um, that would have been the end of Gandalf but he would also have probably killed a lot of the goblins um, hurtling down like a thunderbolt and he's got his wand um, I think his staff well, they're calling it a wand here, flashing like lightning. And just then, the Lord of the Eagles grabs him in his talons and flies off. And uh, the goblins are angry at this, and... Um, more eagles come, and some of them are picking up the dwarves and others are going for the goblins and scratching at their faces with the talons. Um, Bilbo nearly gets left behind again, but he grabs Dory's legs as Dory is being pulled, being carried off. And... So he's dangling He's dangling, air. and he's not being held onto by an eagle. He's holding on by his hands, which... His arms are nearly breaking. And Dory's ankles are, you know, he's, his legs are hurting too. And the trees have totally gone up in flames at this point. So they were rescued just in time. And Bilbo does not like heights. Um, he doesn't even like looking over just a little cliff. So here he is dangling with like a view beneath him and um, feeling sick. And I think I would be just as bad or worse in the same place. Um, and even the highest branches of the trees they had been in were in up in flames. Um, so, you know, that it was just in the nick of time for them. And Bilbo's holding on as long as he can, and the flight ends just when his arms are about to give way. He lets go of Dory's ankles and falls into a um, eagle's eyrie, so an eagle's nest, and it's a rough platform, and he's just laying there. It's on the edge of a little cliff. And... Um, yeah, at this part of the book, there's actually a really nice illustration of um, the, the mountain where the eagle's nest is and the trees beneath it and mountains in the background and, and an eagle. and It's really pretty. You know, drawn by Tolkien. And Bilbo says, Now I know what a piece of bacon feels like when it is suddenly picked out of the pan on a fork and put back on the shelf. And Dory says, no, you don't, because the bacon knows that it will get back in the pan sooner or later, and it is to be hoped we shan't. Also, eagles aren't forks. Oh, no, not a bit like storks. Forks, I mean, said Bilbo. And he's afraid the eagles are going to think he's rude. He doesn't want 
giant eagles to think that he's rude in their nest at night on, um, and he's, you know, the, a little hobbit. He's meal-sized to them. And the eagle is just ignoring him and sharpening his beak and pruning his feathers and, um... Another eagle comes up and says that the Lord of the Eagles bids you to bring your prisoners to the great shelf. And the eagles grab all the dwarves and grab Bilbo and... Actually, first they uh, leave Bilbo behind. Oh, they did leave Bilbo behind. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Then an eagle comes back and um, also brings Bilbo... And they leave, put them on a wide shelf of rock, and the only way to get to it or leave it is by either flying or falling. And uh, the Lord of the Eagles is talking with Gandalf. Um, it turns out Gandalf and the Eagle Lord know each other, and um, they're friends, and Gandalf had um, saved the eagle from an arrow wound which I'm guessing came from humans but uh so prisoners meant prisoners rescued from the goblins not prisoners of the eagles which I'm sure is a relief to Bilbo and um the eagles say they can um they can help uh, carry them a little further, but they can't won't go near where people live because they will shoot at us. Sh- they will shoot at the eagles because beca- with their great bows of you, because they would think we were after they were after their sheep, and at other times they would be right. But right now they're they're glad to cheat the goblins of their sport and um, repay thanks to um, Gandalf. But they will not risk themselves for dwarves in the southward plains. Alright, it seems they look down on dwarves a bit. Um, and um, Gandalf is very thankful to them. It says they're famished with hunger. And the eagles bring um, rabbits, hares, and a small sheep. And the dwarves prep them and cook them on little sticks over a fire. The eagles brought dry fuel for them to make a little cook fire on the shelf. And Bilbo is not used to... Bilbo is too weak to help and he's not used to dealing with meat that's still like on the animal like that. He's used to it coming all prepackaged from the butcher. And Gandalf's resting too after he helped get the fire going. Yeah, Gandalf used his own powers to get the fire going um, as uh, Oin and Gloin had lost their tinderboxes and dwarves have never taken to matches even yet. And um, so they have a good meal of meat toasted on sticks. Bilbo really wanted bread and butter but they don't have that. And and they they sleep there, and Bilbo sleeps better on that hard rock than 
he ever did in his feather bed at home, because that's how tired he is. But all night he dreamed about his home, and in the dream he wandered in his sleep into... Though in the dream he wandered into all his different rooms looking for something that he could not find nor remember what it looked like. And that ends, um... Out of the frying pan and into the f- out of the frying pan into the fire. Um, do you have any more comments about it? Um, only that I, I look forward to you know what comes next, and uh, it seems to be there's one adventure after another, and so uh, I will say the next chapter is called Queer Lodgings, so that gives you something to think about, and uh, I look forward to. Uh, talking with you again and if anybody happens to find a original first edition of the uh, Hobbit uh, take a gander at it and uh, you can always send it our way chuckle chuckle and um, I think I'll also point out that in the animated adaptation the eagles actually carry the dwarves and Bilbo and Gandalf much further than they offer to in the book. Um, the content in the Queer Lodgings chapter is actually skipped. The Eagles carried them all the way past it. Mm. Um, so that's a difference. I think they were just trying to cut time and animation. Yeah, in the um, book they say they'll take them well on their journey across the plains below. That's uh, well, in the animated movie, they take them all the way across the plains below and skip a whole chapter. Um, so, anyway, that's a difference. And uh, look forward to talking about The Hobbit um, next time we get together. Uh, get together with the, you know, going over The Hobbit. And uh, thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire. And uh, goodbye. If if you if you still on yeah I'm still okay, on okay excellent um, <laughs> I'm just gonna say uh, give us a like follow us um, we look forward to hearing from you and thank you bye.